It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. San Antonio, welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. I'm Christiana Villegas, co-host and event planner for Marquardt Law Firm. And I'm sure if you're tuning in, you're wondering, how was Marquardt Law Firm started and what are we doing on the radio? We're on the radio, Christiana, to spread the gospel, of course, and to help others learn something about the law. Uh, The State Bar of Texas really does encourage attorneys to talk about the law because there's some confusion out there. But we don't want to try and solve everybody's individual problems with general advice. Instead, uh, it's an opportunity for you to just try and see what issues might be out there and contact your own personal attorney to discuss your specific facts and circumstances for your unique situation. So let's start with a prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for sending Jesus to save us from our sins. Please help Christiana and Sandy and Tim and me have a good conversation and provide good information to listeners today about the law. Help us to use the gifts and talents you've provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I know that a lot of you can't see us on our set because you're tuning in from the radio, but it's actually a little more crowded than what we usually have. So coming to a video podcast near you, you'll be able to see we have our guests, Sandy, Billy, and Tim here to help us with today's topic. So Todd, do you want to help explain to my dog Duke why I'm going to be coming home with another dog's fur on me? Well, today we're going to be talking about how service animals can assist people with disabilities, penalties for violating service animal laws, responsibilities when a disabled person is using a service animal, and then we'll talk to Sandy about service animals uh, and guide dogs of Texas. We'll talk to Tim Eichstead about assistance animals and comfort animals uh, that they have at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church School and Child Care. And um, they're going to help us discuss these issues. So what exactly is a service animal? How is it defined? There's many laws that define uh, what a service animal is. The ADA defines a service animal as a dog that has been individually trained to do work or perform tasks for an individual with a disability. The tasks performed by the dog must be directly related to the person's disability. So that's the Americans with Disabilities Act. That's a federal law. The Texas Human Resources Code also has a law that defines 
assistance animal and service animal, they, they both mean a canine that is specifically trained or equipped to help a person with a disability and that is used by a person with a disability. The Texas Health and Safety Code, in another section, is the statute that prohibits discrimination of service animals in restaurants, but, surprisingly enough, does not prohibit discrimination of assistance animals. So then, can you bring a service animal into certain restaurants, or are there certain restrictions? And a, a service animal is like a guide dog, and you can bring a service animal into a restaurant. That's if the service animal is going to provide certain tasks for somebody with a disability. And since we're learning the difference between service animals and assistance animals, can you be able to bring your assistant comfort dog? No. The restaurant doesn't have to allow you to bring your comfort dog. So if if the if your pet is only providing comfort by being there and does not perform any specific tasks, then the restaurant can ask that animal to wait outside. Hmm. So what if it's super hot? How am I going to be able to manage having my dog and being able to go in and run in to grab a drink for something or grab a quick bite? Well, I can't tell you what you should do. I'm just here to tell you what the law is. Okay, then. (laughs) But there's another one. Um, The Texas Penal Code uh, says that police... A police service animal means a dog, a horse, or other domesticated animal that is specially trained for use by a handler or a rider. Now, most of our listeners probably haven't seen that movie, Half-Baked, where one of the stoners accidentally feeds the police horse a bunch of food that causes his early demise. (laughs) No, you would think that uh, the common snacks are supposed to be carrots and sugar cubes, and snack foods definitely aren't for horses. So there is another law by HUD, the Housing and Urban Development arm of the government, that says that an assistance animal is an animal that works, provides assistance, or performs tasks for the benefit of a person with a disability, or provides emotional support that alleviates one or more identified symptoms or effects of the person's disability. An assistance animal is not required to be individually trained or certified. It's an animal that does not qualify as a service animal under an a- under the ADA may still qualify as an assistance animal under uh, Federal Housing Administration rules. Now, we are live today on the 10th of August, this Saturday. If you have any questions or comments you want to make about this topic, service animals and comfort animals, simply dial 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Call in and we would love to hear your opinions. And just to remind you, I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Talk Law Radio, sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. 
And I was talking about the uh, Housing and Urban Development and Federal Housing Administration rules on service animals and assistance animals. And so this is why it's so confusing to people about where they can bring their dog. Because some definitions of a service animal are very narrow. And like if you want to bring your dog into a restaurant, and some of them are very broad if you want to have your dog in uh, housing. There's another law that people frequently hear about, uh, and that's the, the Air Carrier uh, Access Act. That's what's been in the news lately about what types of animals can go on the airplane with you. I'm sure a lot of people can remember that commercial of the lady trying to get on board with her emotional support snake. I think that takes it a little too far. But let me tell you what the definition is. Under the ACAA, a service animal is considered to be an animal that is individually trained to assist a person with a disability or an animal that is necessary for the emotional well-being of a passenger. So if someone legitimately is afraid of heights and flying on a plane, that would be a very common use for needing your comfort animal, right? I would think so. So if you are tuning in, we do encourage you to contact us at 210-308-8867. We'll continue to be live where we'll get to hear the perspectives and experiences from Sandy and Tim learning more about service and comfort animals. Again, the number is 210-308-8867. I'm enjoying this conversation with you, Todd. I really want to learn more about this difference. And also with Billy that we have here, Billy's going to help us learn more about his experiences of being on the field and helping others that need it. So this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas. And stay tuned to hear more from Todd, Billy, Tim, and Sandy. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Villegas, and we're back live here with Todd Marquardt. And Sandy Merrill with Guide Dogs of Texas. Thank you for joining us today, Sandy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Guide Dogs of Texas. Well, I'm the CEO of Guide Dogs of Texas, and I'm also a certified guide dog mobility instructor. Um, So over the last 18 years, I've helped a lot of people who are blind 
achieve their freedom, mobility, and independence through guide dog use. That's great. Uh, Tell us about how you got that certification. Well, to become a guide dog mobility instructor, you actually have to go through a four-year course where you also do, um, it's an apprenticeship, kind of like an old-fashioned guild apprenticeship, Mm -hmm. where you work under a certified instructor and you learn all aspects of everything you're going to need to be able to help somebody um, who is blind in all aspects, as well as how to train the guide dogs to do their jobs as well. And what's the purpose of Guide Dogs of Texas? Guide Dogs of Texas is really here to help people who are blind that want to be able to get around better and to be safer as they get um, they walk through their daily life to go from place to place and travel routes. And we're actually the only guide dog school for the entire state of Texas. And that's a big state. So we have a lot to do. Good. And you brought Billy with you. Tell us about Billy. Well, Billy is one of our guide dogs that went through a training program. So he went through a puppy raising program with volunteers who um, helped him uh, socialize in public and become familiarized with all the sights and sounds and smells that they're going to have to face later as a guide dog. And by the way, we really need more puppy raisers. So if you're interested, please let me know. I would love to talk to you more about it. And then after that, he goes into formal training where he learns how to actually guide somebody who's blind, how to go around obstacles, how to indicate hazards like maybe a low-hanging branch or to disobey a command if you say forward and there's a car coming to make sure that that person can stay safe. And unfortunately, Billy wasn't able to graduate as a guide dog with somebody because um, he was attacked by two loose pit bulls while he was out training. So... How did he come to hold the position that he has now with you if if he didn't graduate? So Billy now is an ambassador dog. And we we joke that he's our chief canine officer because he goes all over Texas with me and does presentations and helps people understand what a guide dog does, how they work. And if somebody's interested in a guide dog, he can even do a little demonstration for them so they can feel what it's like to work with a guide dog. So he's um, he's kind of my sidekick now, and I have to say he's more popular than me. He gets invited to a lot of things. <laughs> if you're just joining us, this is uh, Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio, and we're talking about the law of assistance animals and of service animals, and why is that so confusing, and how can we get straight so that we know where we can bring our pets, animals, dogs, and whatever. So we're talking to Sandy, the CEO of Guide Dogs of Texas, and I'd like to find out more about, let's say somebody does want to be a volunteer uh, puppy raiser. What's the best way to reach you or contact you or express interest in that program? Um, You can call our office at 210-366- Four zero eight one, or you can find us online at Guide Dogs of Texas, all spelled out. dot org, and from there um, you can fill out in a volunteer application, or just give us a call, and we can tell you about all of the different opportunities. As a nonprofit organization, we really rely on the community, both through donations and volunteers, to really make our mission possible. Okay, got it. 
Will you talk a little bit about how this confusion in the law is affecting your clients? It really has become a problem recently because people don't understand the difference between what is a legitimate guide dog or service dog and what is um, what we call a fake service dog. And you may have seen recently, um, you know, the story about the peacock trying to fly on the plane with somebody. And, you know, it's those things that have really become problems for for our clients because then businesses are less likely to feel comfortable, you know, with dogs in their environment because some of these dogs that shouldn't have public access are actually being taken in by people and then they, you know, defecate or they cause a ruckus or sometimes they're even aggressive, which is something the airlines have really been struggling with. And then, you know, there's a guide dog or a service dog who's gone through special training, has been with somebody who desperately needs them just to get through their day. And then they're all of a sudden seeing a barrier because, you know, they've had a bad experience with the dog there. What I learned while researching this issue is that uh, even if the business had a bad experience with someone who brought their animal in, they're, they're not allowed to use that bad experience themselves to discriminate against everybody else that legitimately brings their service animal into the establishment. And I learned that in Texas, there's a criminal penalty for those who deny access to people with disabilities because of an assistance animal. Those offenses are punishable by fines of not more than $300 and 30 hours of community service. Yeah, and it is really important for people to understand that if somebody is disabled and going somewhere with their service dog or guide dog, they're there because they need that animal. And these dogs are trained to be in public. They're usually very inconspicuous. You know, if you go to a restaurant with a guide dog, they're going to sit under the table. And most of the time, people don't even know they're there at all. Um, But if you've got a situation where you have somebody coming in that, you know, has a fake service dog and the dog is, um, you know, making a mess in the store or is aggressive, growling, barking, Um, what people don't understand is that you can ask that dog to leave, that person to take that dog out. And I think that that would actually help quite a lot for businesses to understand that, you know, while, yes, they have to allow access to legitimate teams, they also can eject um, dogs that are behaving poorly. Even if it's a legitimate service animal. Yes, and I don't think that that would happen, quite honestly, in all of these years. I've never really seen a guide dog team have a problem like that. Because they're so well-trained, right? Exactly, and they've done. They've been out in public since they were very young, so they've had quite a lot of practice handling all sorts of situations. The other thing I found interesting when I was uh, reading the Air Carrier Access Act is that if your service animal is going to be on the airplane for eight hours or more, you have to get written documentation stating that your service animal will not need to uh, go potty. Well, absolutely. Nobody wants to be able to step on dog duty outside. You definitely don't want that in a closed area. Or documentation showing that if your service animal does need to go potty, that it can do so without making a mess. 
And that's actually one of the things that we actually work with our guide dog team so that they know how to handle that situation. We just had somebody fly, um, you know, to Europe recently, and it is a very, very long flight for a guide dog. And one thing that there is is there's actually special um, diaper kind of things that go around the dog's tail, oh, okay. and you can put them on. All of the guide dogs are taught to relieve on command, so if there was an emergency, they could use something like that. But generally, we would um, control kind of water and food intake and their schedule of relief so that you wouldn't run into that issue. Well, what got me was that it says you have to provide documentation. And so I was envisioning, you know, some bureaucrat that has this position where they they make an official declaration that, yes, this dog can hold its bladder for eight hours. And then they stamp it with some official seal. So how exactly would they be able to monitor that? Do they just put these dogs through simulations or is there a special kind of training? Um, So I don't think that, you know, they're actually kind of going through it that way. I think the airlines just really want to make sure people have thought about it and kind of prepared for that situation. And so really you would look at when you fed the dog because they generally have to poop a couple hours after that. And once they get on the plane, if they're sleeping, they're going to sleep that time no problem. But when they wake up and they land, they're going to have to go out right away afterwards. So a lot of times it's about kind of talking to the guide dog owner um, and helping them understand it. And they can write a little letter um, saying that this is how I plan to handle that situation. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, at least if you have a plan, I I guess that could be some source of documentation. Now, if anyone else wants to share their comments or has any questions for Sandy about service animals, we are still live here today and accepting calls. If you dial in at 210-308-8867, again, that's 210-308-8867, as we are live here today on Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt, and I'm the co-host, Christiana Villegas. So how should um, how should owners be prepared to avoid any discrimination if they're going to be traveling outside of the United States or be taking these long trips? Traveling outside the United States does require that somebody look ahead of time into what all of the laws are for all of the countries they're going to visit. And that's actually one of the things that as a guide dog organization – Um, we will help with. So if somebody says, hey, you know, we're going to Spain and I don't know if my guide dog is going to have access, I can look it up for them, but I can also contact the guide dog school that's a member of the International Guide Dog Federation, like we are, and talk to them about it too and say, hey, are they going to have trouble? What should they do ahead of time? Do they need any documentation and that kind of thing? Christiana, weren't you telling me about some famous people that took their animals on a flight and then something bad happened when they were landing in that country? I might have a few of my details missing, but I do know it was Justin Bieber who traveled with one of his pets out over to Europe, and he ended up having to leave one of his pets there because um, for some reason he didn't keep up to code with being able to travel with his pet. And Johnny Depp had traveled with two of his dogs, Uh, to another portion of the world that was past Europe. And he had to get fined because of his two animals that were foreign animals to that country, and they shouldn't have been there. 
So that's something that if they had talked to Guide Dogs of Texas or one of the international uh, groups to find out what the laws were going to be ahead of time. Yeah, and in that kind of situation, too, I would probably suggest that they don't bring the dogs because if you don't need to have your dog, if it's not helping you and you have a disability and the dog is mitigating that disability, then you don't really usually need to fly with that animal. And so I would say, you know, be kind to the, everybody else around you and future guide dog teams and um, and give your animal to a friend or something to watch while you're gone. That's some good advice. Well, this is a lot of information to digest, and we really want to hear your comments, your questions. We will be live after this break, so all you have to do is dial 210-308-8867. Or if you have any questions for Todd Marcourt and the services we offer, you can always visit our website at marcourtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D for David and T like Tango lawfirm.com and we are still accepting calls we're going to come back here with tim eichstead and helping us learn about comfort animals so please let us know your questions at 210-308-8867 this is talk law radio with your host todd marcourt i'm christiana viegas we look forward to hearing from you soon so remember to call us at 210-308-8867 And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm the co-host, Christiana Viegas, and we're here live with Todd, Sandy, Billy, and Tim today talking about service animals and comfort animals. Uh, what we understand is we actually had a caller over the commercial break, and we'll be getting connected to him in just a moment. But Sandy was here telling us about service animals, educating us on the differences and the laws and obstacles that you might end up encountering if you become an owner for a service animal and learning how to tell the difference of which animal is well-trained and not. Do we have our caller yet? Hello. Hello. It's uh, Todd Marquardt with Talk Law Radio. You're on the air. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, Will you tell us about your experience with uh, your service animal? Uh, Yeah. So uh, my name is Tyson. I'm a disabled Navy veteran. I've been retired for, medically retired almost two years now after my amputation. Thank you for Um, your service. Happy to do so. Thank you. Um, I went through, I went a different route. I didn't go through um, the traditional service dog avenue of, getting them from their puppies. I'm a very big advocate on rescue. So I rescued my dog, Sammy, and put him through training and worked with uh, Tadsoft, Training Dog Save a Warrior. And they set me up with multiple trainers, and I got him certified. And uh, I actually just got back from grocery shopping. It's not quite – so my thing – I guess my big thing I want to kind of touch on is, you know, the the emotional support animals, but then you also get the people who – have dogs that live in an apartment and they don't want to pay pet rent. So they go online and order these, you know, documentations to say their dog's a service animal and they can, they don't have to pay pet rent. They can take dogs where they want. So I just got back from grocery shopping and 
I have my dog with me. And the frustrating thing as a service dog owner is when I have him, he's working. He's he's watching me. He's picking up on my ticks. But when you see somebody who has an emotional support animal or, you know, a dog that has a vest on that you can clearly see is not trained, the frustrating thing for me is that he's trying to focus on me, but that dog is being unruly and distracting him from doing his task, which doesn't happen often, but he's pretty good at picking that up and ignoring them. But the dog that was at uh, the rest, the grocery store I was at was the most support had a very small dog, pocket dog, pretty much had a motion support. It was yapping and barking and growling. And at one point the lady wasn't paying attention. The dog came over to my dog who completely ignored his, but that's the frustrating part for me is that your dog that is quote unquote emotional support is not trained in any way whatsoever and distracting my dog from doing what he needs to be doing. I see. We, that's something that the law needs to clarify so that people in your situation and you can get the service that you need from your service animal. So thank you for calling in to share your experience. Um, we're going to talk with uh, Tim Eichstead about his comfort animal at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church School and Child Care. Tim, will you tell us um, what your experience is? I will. I'm Tim Eichstead from Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church and at Shepherd of the Hills, I've been there and been privileged to be a part of it for the last 38 years, 23 of them as principal, and then the last 15 as director of operations over our church, school, and child care. And over the last five years, I've had the privilege of being the owner of Cooper. As the kids often call me, I'm Cooper's dad. And the privilege that I have is to have him here <clears throat> working with our children simply to be able to give them love, give them comfort, and be involved in their lives when they need it the most. Sometimes children come in and things have happened at home and they just look for Cooper. Sometimes they just come up and want to be around him early in the morning, before school, after school, um, and they also have the opportunity for him to visit the classrooms and to read to him and just to take some time to feel good about him. Tim, will you say something about Shepherd of the Hills? Uh, what kind of operation do they run over there? Shepherd of the Hills is a congregation of about 1,000 members. It's a school of 300 children and a child care of a hundred additional children. We go from infant through eighth grade, and then we also have affiliation with our Lutheran High School um, that is down the road on Babcock, and we have the opportunity to work with 425 kids each day and just to be privileged to be there to educate and care for them. What are the ages of the kids? Kids come in at six weeks and um, go all the way through eighth grade. Okay. And what are the child care services that can be provided there? 
we have students that come into us from the infant through three-year-olds, um, and they're there for child care, both full-time and part-time, 6.30 to 6.30. And then we also have after-school and before-school care programs. We open at 6.30, so many children will come then or around 7. When we start school at 7.45 or 8 o'clock, they will go into their classroom from their child care room, and then they will do the same after school. And when we dismiss at 3.15, then they go to child care till their parents are able to pick them up. Thank you. I think we have another caller, so we're going to take that call, and then we'll come back to Tim and talk more about Cooper. Yes, thank you for calling in. You are live here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Are we connected to Jesus? Yes, ma'am. Good morning, and welcome to I our show. I go by Jesse. I, okay. I go by Jesse usually, and um, I just wanted to say, Guy Dodgers, Texas, doesn't only make it work when they're training. They also make it fun. And Sandy has trained both of my dogs before she became the CEO, and she made it fun, and both of my guide dogs have been just great. And uh, I can't say enough about guide dogs in Texas, but I did. I know y'all are, you know. I do have a question for Sandy. What about if you are going to a hospital to visit somebody or if you get in the hospital or not just a hospital, but say a rehab service, a rehabilitation service to visit or to stay? Would you uh, suggest the dog not going because of the chemicals there or whatever? Good question. Hey, Jesse, thanks for calling. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) I think the hospital situation, generally you can use your guide or service dog in the hospital. Um, There's no problem with that. In fact, the hospitals often even invite therapy dogs, too, to come and visit the only issue with access in a hospital is there are times when there isn't really public access. So, for instance, if you needed surgery and you had to go into a clean room, um, then your dog wouldn't be um, able to go with you for that. And so that's when you'd probably want somebody outside to hold your dog for you until you kind of come out of there. But other than that, the hospitals are, are generally very good about um, having guidance service dogs there. Thank you, Jesse, for calling. We need to get back Thank to... You all, and- Y'all have a great day. You too. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, Tim. So we know a little bit more about how uh, Shepherd Lutheran uh, Church School and Child Care works. Tell us uh, more about Cooper and what his qualifications to comfort are. Cooper came to us from Houston Collie Rescue my wife and I have had the privilege of working with them with other dogs. And when he came to us, we had asked the CEO of Houston Collie Rescue if she would be able to find us a comfort dog. And she looked for one and found one and trained him for about five, six months and then called us and said, hey, I think I've found your dog and I've got him ready to come to be a part of being a comfort dog at your school and we were able to pick him up and then we took him also through behavioral classes to be sure that what everybody believed about him was really true and then 
he came to be a part of our school, and he also went through um, and visited with an individual who was affiliated with Shepherd of the Hills and then also affiliated as director of one of the hospitals and their dog and um, therapy program, and he evaluated Cooper. And so Cooper has been with us now going on five years. Well, that's really great. So we are still going to be here live back with Sandy and Tim letting us know more about Cooper and his experience at providing comfort and assistance to those who need it. Stay tuned here at Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. My name is Christiana, and if you have any questions or comments to share with us, we encourage you to dial 210-308-8867 on this beautiful Saturday as we're talking about service animals and comfort animals. Again, if you want to share your experience or have questions for Sandy and Tim, simply dial 210-308-8867. Remember to call us. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Thank you for not changing that dial. We welcome you back here to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I am the co-host, Christiana Villegas, here live with Todd Marquardt, Tim Eichstead, and Miss Sandy Merrill. Tim was just here sharing with us a little bit about Cooper. So, Tim, do you find that Cooper's spending more time with the children or with seniors? He spends more time with our children. He comes in and works with them. He comes with me every morning, and he will go into our cafeteria where the kids are in their before-school care and just greet them and and have some time where they sit and pet him and work with him. And there's times where our pastor um, does work with children. He does what he calls power lunches. Kids are having difficulty. Maybe the things that we all dread happening, but separation is happening at home. And he will call them in with a friend, and they will sit down and just talk and have lunch together. And then Cooper will often come into those meetings, and he just comes over and puts his head in their lap or lays down next to them, gives them an opportunity to pet him and just to be a release and a comfort for the things that they're going through. Um, And he has that opportunity to do so often with the kids because he's pretty much there every day. What's an example of what a child was going through that you thought Cooper was able to help out? Um. Well, actually, just unfortunately, recently we had um, a parent whose father passed away. Um, the the child's father passed away, and Cooper was there throughout 
the days when the child came back happened to be in the parking lot and he ran over with me and the child was had a chance to pet Cooper and to be there and be greeted by the classmates and friends and even just the opportunities that children have as they come into their day and will walk up to him and say, oh, I just need some time with Cooper. And they'll pet him and hug him and say, "Ah, I'm ready to go now. And they'll go off to class and just have a good day because they have somebody that they know is their friend and they can talk to him and tell him whatever they want to. And for a lot of these kids, they're about the same height as Cooper. They are. In <laughs> fact, when they're the little ones, they'll come walking in, and Cooper might be laying down, and they'll be petting him, and he'll stand up, and they're a two- or three-year-old, and he'll look them right in the face because he's a 85-pound collie, and they will kind of back off, and then another friend will come up, give Cooper a hug, and they'll run over and give him a hug, too, because... Cooper is the gentlest animal I have ever owned, and I've owned horses and every every kind of dog and whatever, but Cooper is just beyond believable, as unbe- unbelievably com- gentle as he works with kids and is around adults. And you think Cooper knows that this is his job? He knows it 100%. We had a lady who, unfortunately, her son had passed away, from heart attack um, and she had been at his funeral and we had been at his funeral and we came to our first staff meeting afterwards and Cooper's always there just laying by me and he got up as soon as she came in the room he walked over as she sat down he came over and put his head in her lap as if he knew "I, I know something's wrong I don't know what it is but I'm here and it was just it was very emotional time he had no idea she wasn't crying she wasn't showing any emotion he just seemed to know that she needed him was it the regulations and the state laws or was it just um, your care and concern for the kids that led you to have cooper specially trained we wanted a comfort dog because we knew that kids need that they need somebody to talk to they need somebody to read to they need somebody to be a part of their lives and dogs are a natural thing to have that done many animals are great at comfort or therapy cooper just was that i had um collies as a child and i knew how it felt to be able to come home to a dog and just have that love and so i wanted that for the kids and our students, it doesn't matter if I'm walking through the infant room, he'll lay down and they'll crawl up to him and just kind of snuggle. And if I'm there with the eighth graders, they'll come running. In fact, in the morning, I'll have children who have graduated our eighth grade program and gone on to high school, and they'll come running out of the car saying, oh, Cooper, oh, Cooper, I miss you. And they'll come running up and give him a hug and their parents will have to send them, come on, let's go, we got to get to work, we got to get going, mm-hmm. and um, we'll send them off, but send them off with a great opportunity to have given him a hug. Thank you for sharing that experience with Cooper, the assistance comfort animal. I wanted to ask Sandy uh, another question about some of the, the challenges with um, going into a business. Are there some guidelines that 
some advice that you would give to a business owner that's just confused about um, what types of animals uh, he's required to allow in and, and what questions he's allowed to ask and questions he shouldn't ask. Yeah, and we've actually had quite a lot of um, people approach guide dogs to come and do presentations about that. So if you have a business and are interested, we'd love to talk to you about it. In general, it is very important that people understand that if somebody comes in with a guide or service dog, you may not know that they have a disability. And um, and so in general, you don't want to hassle them because they have the same right to be there as anybody else does. But if you somebody comes in and there's a dog and it's misbehaving and you are questioning, maybe this isn't even really a service dog, there are two questions you can ask safely. And one of them is, is this a service dog or a guide dog? And the other question is, what tasks can it perform? But I don't, do not stray from those questions. It's very, very important. And even people that are coming in with dogs that are you know, not really service dogs sometimes don't understand that they're not allowed to come in. You know, they go online and they order a service dog jacket for their pet. And they get, um, for $45, you can be registered as a service dog. But it's not, doesn't make your animal a service dog and it doesn't give you public access. And that could be fraud. They, they could get in trouble for doing that. Absolutely, it is. And you've misrepresented yourself. And the key is, do I have a disability? Because if you do not have a disability, then you can't have an animal that's mitigating that disability because you don't have one. Um, and I will say there is an exception. In Texas law, you, um, guide dogs in training are also allowed public access when they're with their trainers. And we do give people lots of education and instruction to make sure that the dogs behave properly and don't cause problems for businesses. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Uh, I wanted to bring up another aspect in the law that's closely related to uh, how to take care of our pets. Uh, and that's if you're incapacitated or disabled or pass away and you want to make sure that your pets are taken care of in the event that you can't take care of them yourself. So I call this uh, naming a guardian for your fur baby. But what if I already talked to my parents and I just told them, you know, if anything ever happens to me, you guys should be able to take care of it, right? And it's family. It's your family. You should be able to take in your family's pets. You should, but not everyone follows through with what they once agreed to do. And you only have your own life history to think back and remember examples of when you changed your mind or someone promised you to do something and they changed their mind. So there's this element in the law that's uh, allowed by Texas Trust Code where you can set up a trust for your pet or service animal or assistance animal to name a trustee to manage money for that pet after you're gone to make sure that he or she is taken care of in the way that you want the care to be provided. And so you name a guardian and you name a trustee. And it could be the same person, but it doesn't have to be. There's an example of how important this is. Uh, there was a, a court case back in 2008 uh, between an animal sanctuary and some uh, interested people that were worried about how the 
animals at the sanctuary were being taken care of. And the court case revolved around this agreement between um, the animal sanctuary and a university. The university donated some chimpanzees to the sanctuary, and some interested groups became concerned about the care of those animals. And uh, it wasn't the university that filed the lawsuit, though. And so the problem was, is who has a right to bring this lawsuit? Well, you would think that it would be the university for a breach of contract, but the university, for whatever reason, just didn't get involved. So there were these uh, concerned citizens, some animal welfare groups that were suing on behalf of the animals, and the court said that they didn't have standing to sue. Well, one of the arguments that the plaintiffs brought forth was this wasn't really a contract. It was a pet trust. And so we can enforce the pet trust and uh, there would be money damages and that money could be used to take care of the animals. Well, the court said that it wasn't a pet trust because nobody said that it was going to be a trust. So the lesson is that if you want a pet trust, you should go to a competent attorney to create, draft, design that trust uh, according to the laws so that it's legally enforceable. And you can always learn more about pet trust if you go to our Facebook page, Marquardt Law Firm P.C. That is the way you would enter it. And you can look up Mr. Marquardt's blog that he posted about pet trust. Or you can also follow and look up our website, MarquardtLawFirm.com. M A R Q U A R D for David, T like Tango, LawFirm.com. And you can. Contact us through our chat box. Call our house, our office number at 210-530-4278 and inquire about setting up a free consultation with us about that. So next week, we're going to have a recorded show, so we won't be taking live calls on the air next week. Uh, Next week's program will be what I call Estate Planning 101. It'll be a crash course that you'll want to sit down and take notes because it's going to be pretty heavy on uh, what you want and how to take care of the people you love in a way that is legally enforceable. But after next week, we will be back live. We encourage you to tune in again to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. My name is Christiana. We were here today with Sandy Merrill and Tim Eichstead and Billy, the guide dog ambassador. We thank you all for joining us here live today.